You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode will be brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Carr, coming to you from a dorm room in Lewiston, Idaho, at Lewis Clark State College, working the NAIA World Series this weekend. But as you guys know, content never sleeps. So here I am for you. Today is Monday, May 31st, and I am not going to waste any time setting up the show today. Let's just get right into Gonzaga baseball. They had a chance to host a regional for the first time in school history this weekend, and it did not happen. When we left you on Friday, they had just won the WCC championship in convincing fashion, shutting out San Diego Thursday night. We all kind of thought that one more win would probably be enough to clinch a top 16 seed and host a regional. That win this weekend never came. In fact, they weren't even close. San Diego came out and they absolutely blitzed Gonzaga on Friday night and on Saturday afternoon. The bats went completely ice cold in the final two games of the regular season. On Friday, they got just one hit, they lost 10-0, and then they backed it up on Saturday in the finale for the regular season with a 10-2 loss. It was a really strong showing for the Toreros, who are just squarely on the bubble heading into Monday morning's selection show. If you're listening to this episode after 9 a.m. Pacific time, you may already know what happened in the selection show because the selection show is this morning at 9 a.m. Pacific. If you're listening to this very early and you want to watch that, it is on ESPN2, 9 a.m. Pacific this morning. We know for sure that Gonzaga is going to be in the NCAA tournament. But after Sunday night, we know that they are not hosting a regional, which is very unfortunate. The NCAA released their 16 host sites late Sunday afternoon, and Spokane was the last place left out, and I will explain why. The original list of potential host sites was 20 different schools. 15 of those schools did enough to be a number one seed in their regional that they're hosting. The last five schools did not end up having a resume of a number one seed. Pittsburgh, which is one of the schools, lost seven straight at the end of the season heading into their conference tournament. South Carolina got bounced in the first round of the SEC tournament. And then Gonzaga, though they won the WCC, their RPI took a hit uh, with those those, uh, final two losses to San Diego. So their RPI is in the, the high 20s. I think it ended up 27 or 28 for the season. So... Um, All that said, I guess, Gonzaga still had the best resume out of all the remaining five teams that could have hosted uh, one of those regionals. So all things being equal, they should get to host, right? Well, like most things in life, everything is not equal. Old Dominion, this is where Old Dominion comes into play. Old Dominion is from Conference USA, and they have a resume of a number one seed and a top 16 national seed and maybe even a top 10 national seed. They went 41 and 14 this year. They have a top 10 RPI and they won the Conference USA Tournament. The problem is that Old Dominion, for whatever reason, didn't put in a bid to host a regional. So the problem here is that you have a clear number one seed who cannot host and a couple of number two seeds who can host in Gonzaga and South Carolina. So the committee 
has to decide whether they want to send Old Dominion across the country to Spokane or 375 miles to Columbia, South Carolina. Of course, they are going to take the cheaper option. South Carolina also has a larger stadium with looser restrictions for fans. So the place is going to have much more, um, I guess, many more fans in attendance, uh, which obviously equals more money. So that's what the committee decided to do. They gave the final regional hosting bid to South Carolina, who finished seventh in the SEC and lost in the first round of the SEC tournament simply because it's closer to Old Dominion, who is going to be the one seed in that region. So Old Dominion is going to be the one. South Carolina is going to be the two. The other option was Old Dominion was the one and Gonzaga was the two in the Spokane region. But, of course, regionalization comes into effect here. The other team majorly affected by this is going to be Oregon State. They were going to be a lock to come to Spokane and be in the Spokane regional if Gonzaga hosted a pod. With Spokane out of the equation now, the Beavers are going to get shipped across the country somewhere because the only three West Coast regional spots are Eugene, where Oregon plays, Tucson with Arizona, and Palo Alto with Stanford. And they can't have multiple Pac-12 teams in any of those regions. So Gonzaga does not get to host, and Oregon State has to fly across the country somewhere, all because the NCAA wanted a closer and more revenue-driven location for Old Dominion to play. It sucks, obviously, but at the end of the day, um, that's kind of just what the NCAA has to do because they are all about the money. So, with all that said, where is Gonzaga going to play? I would say there is a 95% chance they end up as the two seed in the Eugene region with Oregon. Like I said earlier, the selection show is at 9 a.m. this morning, so by the time you're listening to this, it may have already been announced where Gonzaga is going. But Eugene is the closest spot to Gonzaga, and they have to regionalize things as much as they can, which is what they're doing with the Old Dominion situation with South Carolina getting the hosting gig. Gonzaga and Oregon, if this is what ends up happening, the Ducks and the Zags, they were scheduled to play three times this season. Because G went on COVID pause, they ended up only playing once in a game Gonzaga went up 3-0 to zero and ended up losing 10-3. to three. They played about two weeks ago. We will discuss actual opponents when uh, we come back on Wednesday's episode, once we know who they actually are. But for those who have never watched an NCAA baseball tournament in their lives, here is how the whole thing works. There are 64 teams just like the NCAA men's basketball tournament. There are 16 regionals. Each regional consists of four teams. So 16 times four is 64. 16 regionals, four teams in each regional. Those four teams play a double elimination tournament. Gonzaga, they have not won a regional since the tournament expanded 30 plus years ago. So in that regional, it's one versus four and two versus three to start out. And then those four teams play until there's one, le uh, one team left standing in that double elimination tournament. The 16 winners of those 16 regionals, they are paired up by predetermined regional pairings, which we will know after the selection show sometime today. And those 16 pairs play a best of three series. And that means after all of that, there'll be eight teams remaining and those eight winners go to Omaha for the actual College World Series. Once they're there, the College World Series mimics what just happened in the first two regional rounds. Those eight teams in Omaha are split into two four-team brackets where they play a double elimination tournament again and the two winners of those tournaments meet up in a three-game series for all the marbles. 
If all of that is confusing, all you need to know right now is that Gonzaga is going to be the two seed in a four-team double elimination tournament starting this weekend. They are going to play the three seed in the first game. We will know who that three seed is in the 9 a.m. selection show on ESPN2 today. That game is likely going to be on Friday, I believe, and Alec Jacobs should be on the mound for Gonzaga. And if Gabriel Hughes, their normal Saturday starter, is back for this weekend, they will have him ready and lined up for game two against potentially the number one seed if uh, both Gonzaga and the number one seed, most likely Oregon, uh, win in their bracket. And to be honest, I will take Alec Jacob and I will take Gabriel Hughes against anyone in the nation. Those two pitchers are that good. On Wednesday's show, we are going to do a full preview of Gonzaga's region, what their realistic chances are of getting to that super regional. Like I said, they have not been there since the tournament expanded. Okay, that is it for the baseball talk today. There are a few notable pieces of news from this weekend in the basketball world, so we're going to get to that next on the show. Normally, we start with the news and notes, but this baseball thing uh, was on my mind and is definitely the most important thing, so we wanted to get to that first. Of course, we are finishing the show today with the eighth-ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. As I mentioned on Friday, and I think I mentioned it a minute ago, we are moving to three days a week for the month of June. We will have Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes. So after today, we will not be back until Wednesday of this week. It's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes for the foreseeable future. And then once uh, basketball season gets closer, we are going to ramp back up to five days a week. So like I said, Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes uh, for the next several weeks here at Locked on Zags. Okay, before we get into the news and notes from the weekend, let's take a minute to talk about Made in Cookware. If quality and craftsmanship is important to you, you should check out Made in. Made in is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. Made in produces professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from the stovetop to the oven. And their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. They have more than 28,000 five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin star restaurants around the world. Right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off their first order with promo code Locked On. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. So go to madeincookware.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for 15% off your next order. Also a minute to talk about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Okay, let's get to some of the news and notes from around the weekend. The biggest news is that Alex Barcelo is coming back to BYU. We had speculated on BYU's guard depth and rotation over the offseason, and I had mentioned that they really didn't have anybody. And then uh, Alex Barcelo is coming back, and they also picked up a transfer in Tejan Lucas. So now Barcelo and Lucas, combined with their really good wings and really good forwards, puts BYU right back into that number two spot in a borderline tournament team. So uh, Alex Barcelo is back. He is a 45% three-point shooter. He is um, he's really is one of the better players in the WCC. Might be the best player in the WCC not on Gonzaga heading into next season. So Alex Barcelo is back. BYU is back. And that is good for the conference. It's good for BYU. And it's good for Gonzaga. So they have two uh, much tougher matchups uh, in WCC play heading into next season. Another piece of news from over the weekend is that Andrew Nemhard has accepted an invitation to attend Canada's senior men's national team training camp in advance of the FIBA Olympic qualifying tournament. He's going to be joined there by former Zags, Brandon Clark and Kelly Olinick. Um, Nemhard is originally from Ontario and he is the only college player in the mix. There are, uh, I believe, 20, maybe 21 other players uh, in this thing, in the, in the camp, and all of them play professional basketball somewhere with a lot of them in the NBA. So uh, I don't think Nemhard's going to make the final team, but it is an impressive, impressive um, invitation. And the fact that he's even invited to this is a great sign for him. Uh, the training camp for this Canada national team runs from June 26th through the 24th, and then they'll play two games in uh, group play. They play Greece on the 29th, China on June 30th, the, two, the top two teams of each group advance to the semifinals. So if you're looking for something to watch, if Andrew Nemhard is playing um, in this event uh, at the end of June, you can watch Andrew Nemhard play for Team Canada. Let's talk about uh, Caden Perry for a second. Jim Meehan of the Spokesman Review wrote an article. He talked to Caden Perry and he talked to his head coach in high school, uh, Manny Bello. And it sounds like Caden Perry has a couple of herniated discs in his back and he could barely walk uh, without... I mean, he's basically bedridden for like two weeks. He couldn't really walk without any pain. Um, he could barely walk at all for that matter. It sounds like now he's starting to walk a little bit, um, but uh, he is definitely done for the high school season, and it's kind of up in the air on whether he's even going to be ready for um, college basketball season when November rolls around. I think the biggest thing that came out of the article is they want to get to Spokane quicker so that they have the doctors and trainers and kind of the infrastructure to speed up his rehab a little bit. Um, but back injuries are tricky, tricky things. Even at 18 or 19 years old, uh, back injuries can be debilitating. Uh, hope for a speedy recovery from Caden Perry. Who knows how long it's going to be. If he's ready by next season, that would be awesome. If he's not, Gonzaga's got a bunch of talented big guys. Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren, Anton Watson, Ben Gray can be used in a pinch. They can move straw to the floor. I mean, they'll be okay this coming season if Caden Perry has to rehab more or have a medical red shirt or just straight up red shirt, whatever the case is. Um, I just, the, the number one thing is the health of Caden Perry so that he's ready to contribute uh, for three or four more seasons down the line. A couple pieces of recruiting news, three names to watch from the 2023 class came out 
from over the weekend. Number one is Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, who is a point guard from the Utah area. He's ranked 10th in the class of 2023 by 24-7 Sports. He says Gonzaga has been recruiting him a bunch lately, as has BYU and Stanford. So I don't remember the last time uh, BYU and Gonzaga were going head-to-head in a recruiting battle, so that would be an interesting one if those were the two teams uh, that it came down to the stretch. Uh, But a six-foot point guard, ranked number 10 in the country, Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn is being recruited by Gonzaga. Another player is Omaha Bilou, and he is from Iowa. He is a 6'7", 6'8", depending on where you look, 200-pound forward. Uh, He looks like he's more of a wing-forward hybrid, unbelievable athlete. He's ranked fifth in the country overall in the class of 2023. But he says Gonzaga has reached out and has been uh, kind of contacting him a bunch lately. And then the final one is Bryson Warren who's got uh, a bunch of offers, but he says Gonzaga is the, the most recent school to get in touch with him and has been uh, uh, talking to him a bunch lately. He is a six foot two combo guard from Arkansas, and he's ranked 32 in the class of 2023. So a top 10 point guard, a top five uh, wing forward kind of hybrid, and then a top 30 combo guard are the three names to watch right now for 2023, along with Jeremy Fears, uh, who is also a top-ranked guard in that class. Let's get to some pro Zags updates. Uh, it looks like everybody overseas has been eliminated from the playoffs except for Austin Day, and his team is down 2-0 in the semifinal series, and that series continues on Wednesday. Like I said, they're down two games to nothing. Uh, a couple guys that I haven't mentioned uh, since we've been doing this little thing. Number one is Ira Brown. I mentioned him in a recruiting class, but I didn't really mention what he'd done this season. His team in Osaka, Japan, made it to the league quarterfinals, but they fell in those league quarterfinals. Ira Brown finished second on the team in scoring this year with 14.3 points a game. He also had seven and a half rebounds and three assists. And then JP Batista, I also mentioned him and said that uh, he'd been playing in Brazil and he played in Brazil this season. His team finished 25 and four and they had the number two seed, but they lost in the semifinals of their playoff series. Uh, JP Batista, he finished the year with 11 and a half points, six rebounds, and one and a half assists per game. So shout out to JP Batista and Ira Brown. In terms of Zags in the NBA, uh, DeMontis Simonis obviously eliminated in the play-in rounds, which I think I mentioned last week. Uh, Rui Hachimura and the Washington Wizards are now down three games to nothing to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Game four of that series is tonight. The Wizards may end up being swept by the 76ers. Brandon Clark, he played in game three after not playing in the first two games, nor in the play-in tournament. Uh, Brandon Clark got back into the rotation a little bit during game three, played seven minutes, uh, didn't really do anything. Didn't get a shot up, but he did get one rebound, no turnovers. He was plus four on the Clark uh, on the floor. So we'll see what happens when they play game four of their series tonight. The Grizzlies have been pushing the Jazz, the top-seeded Jazz, as much as they could. Uh, They're down two games to one in that series, but they had a chance to win game three before falling in the final seconds. Okay, it's going to do it for the news and notes. Coming up, we are going to reveal the eighth-ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. Today's class features three of the most impactful transfers in the history of the program, including perhaps the greatest one of all time. But before we do that, we've got to talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Like I said, salted caramel. Go get salted caramel. 
But if you don't want that, they've also got a whole bunch of other flavors that are also fantastic. You could get a mixed box with a whole bunch of flavors. It's totally up to you. Whatever you choose, it's going to be soft, it's going to be easy to chew, and it's going to be delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. Great for the health conscious guy. Also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, just a quick recap again for those that are new here. Over the last month or so, we've been counting down from worst recruiting class to best recruiting class of the Mark Few era. These rankings do include transfers, which is very important because that's pretty much this entire class today. Those transfers count from the year they entered the program. The most notable walk-ons also are included. These are my own personal rankings and you're always free to debate them with me. They are a combination of talent, success, and what they meant to the program as a whole. We are into the final eight now. Only eight classes are left. Today, the eighth ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. Let's get to it. Eighth ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era is the class of 2015. And the class of 2015 is one of the worst freshman classes of all time because it consists of just Jesse Wade, and that's it. And if that was just Jesse Wade and the transfers did not come in, that would be the worst recruiting class uh, of the Mark Few era. Luckily, this class was not just Jesse Wade. It included three transfers, Jeremy Jones, Jonathan Williams III, Nigel Williams-Goss, and those are three of the best transfers in Gonzaga history, and Nigel Williams-Goss, I'm not even sure you could argue, is the best transfer in Gonzaga uh, history. Nobody had a greater impact in a one-year Gonzaga career than the point guard who led the Bulldogs to the national championship until Jalen Suggs came around, and now you can argue uh, kind of which one of those two had a larger impact uh, in one season in a Gonzaga uniform. But Nigel Williams-Goss technically was in the program for two seasons. He was in uh, practices during that 15-16 season, making Josh Perkins better, making Silas Melson better, uh, making all of those uh, types of players better. But his one season in Spokane, he is the only player in Mark Few's entire career as head coach to average 16 or more points, six or more rebounds, and four or more assists in a season. The only player for Mark Few to average 16 plus points, six plus rebounds, four or more assists. His leadership was absolutely unparalleled. Again, maybe until Jalen Suggs, but I think Nigel's leadership was still uh, number one. And I think most of us still cannot get the image of him crying at the end of the national championship game out of our heads. Of course, since then, we've been talking about his um, international career. He's one of the best guards right now over in uh, Europe. He's playing in Russia. He had a cup of coffee with the Utah Jazz. Uh, they stashed him overseas after drafting him. He came back and played for them as a reserve guard for a little bit. And now he's back playing professionally in Europe full time. Jonathan Williams III also played an enormous part, not just in the uh, national championship season of 2017, but also the next year as well. Uh, Duanta Sabonis, he left after that 15-16 season, and after he left, the Zags had some huge shoes to fill inside, and Jonathan Williams, you know, I, he wasn't quite Sabonis, but he did pretty much as much as he could to, to fill those shoes. He and Brandon Clark and Roni Turioff are the only Zags under Mark Few 
to average 13 or more points, eight or more rebounds, and block at least one shot per game for an entire season. Brandon Clark, Roni Turioff, Jonathan Williams III, the only players for Mark Few to average 13 or more points, eight or more rebounds, and more than one block per game for an entire season. He also has the highest career defensive rating of any WCC player over the last 13 seasons, which is pretty incredible. The guy that's right behind him on that list, number two, Jeremy Jones. The two top rated defensive players in the WCC over the last 13 years are Jonathan Williams and Jeremy Jones. Of course, Jonathan Williams, he's also had uh, some time in the NBA and in the D League. Right now, he's actually playing overseas. He played, he split his time in the 2020-2021 season uh, in Turkey and in Germany. For Turkey, he averaged uh, just about 10 points and seven rebounds, which is pretty much consistent uh, for what he's done in his entire career. Uh, and then in Germany, he only he got there really late in the season and only played eight games for them and only averaged 15 and a half point or 15 and a half minutes, I should say. Um, so we'll see what happens next season uh, for Jonathan Williams if he stays in Germany and kind of gets uh, acquainted with his new squad or, or, or what the deal is with him. Jeremy Jones, on the other hand, like I said, uh, over the past few weeks, he's turned into a sharpshooter overseas, shooting nearly 40% uh, on threes. But in uh, a Gonzaga uniform, he played uh, a role in three of the more successful teams in, in school history, right? He played on the national championship in 17. They were possibly a Killian Tilly injury away from going back to the final four in 2018. And then probably two bad minutes away against Texas Tech in 2019. He had a huge role in that 2019, uh, his senior season in 2019. He was uh, probably the seventh man, maybe sixth man, sixth or seventh man off the bench. He averaged 14 minutes a game. He averaged three points and three rebounds, uh, but he shot a ridiculous 71% uh, from inside the arc. He also shot 45% from beyond the arc. So you put that all together, he shot 61% for the season. Across all three years in Spokane, he shot a ridiculous 66% inside the arc. He was incredibly, incredibly efficient. And if you go through his individual games, if you remember, I think all of us remember the Duke game in Maui, but if you remember those first two games, they were losing to Illinois early on in the first half, and they were also losing to Arizona, I think at halftime of those uh, two preliminary games before they faced uh, Duke in the championship. The Illinois game was the Jeremy Jones game. He had 14 points, 11 rebounds, no turnovers, and he was a perfect five for five from the field. That's the kind of stuff that Jeremy Jones did for that 2019 squad, which was, um, they deserved a better fate than losing in the Elite Eight, but such is life. Like I said, Jeremy Jones uh, has been playing overseas. He's a really, really good shooter now, averaging right around nine or 10 points a game. So you put all those three together, you get three of the best transfers in Gonzaga history, and then you get Jesse Wade, who committed back in, was it 2013, 2014? And by the time he used his two-year mission and came to campus, Gonzaga was simply in a better spot than when Jesse Wade first committed. So they had kind of just recruited over him and he didn't have a role at Gonzaga. He transferred to BYU, of course, and then he dealt with just a plethora of injuries. He never really got his career off the ground. He has since retired from basketball. Uh, and so we wish Jesse Wade the best in whatever uh, lies ahead of, uh, of him in his life. Um, but the reason that I would say that this class is not, say, in the top five, despite its ridiculous impact of Nigel Williams-Goss and Jonathan Williams and Jeremy Jones, is simply because the freshman class 
is just Jesse Wade. And the only reason I would say that they went out and had to grab all these transfers is because they struck out on all of the freshmen that they tried to get in this class. So it's kind of one of those things. It's like, how do you rank a recruiting class? Do you rank it by, like, how do you weigh it? Do you weigh the freshmen? Do you weigh the transfers? How are they weighted equally? And in my situation, you're going to need at least one freshman that had made an impact, right? And no freshman made an impact in this class whatsoever. It was just three pure transfers. And no matter how good, how good they were, they struck out on an entire freshman class. So therefore, for me, this class has a cap uh, at the eight spot, which is where I have it right now. That is not to take away from what Nigel Williams-Goss and Jonathan Williams and Jeremy Jones did, of course. They are absolutely uh, Zag legends. Um, but striking out on a full freshman uh, recruiting class essentially limits how far I can rank a, um, a class. So, number eight recruiting class of all time, the class of 2015. That is going to do it for today's show. Like I said, a programming note starting this week and for the foreseeable future, we are going to just three days a week. Uh, for the month of June at least. And then once uh, basketball season gets closer, we'll ramp back up to five. So we're going to do Monday, Wednesday episodes for the next several weeks now. And on Wednesday, we will be back and we are going to talk about uh, who's Gonzaga going to play in the NCAA tournament. And then we're also going to hear from Stephen Gentry. A very good interview. Stephen Gentry talked with Brenna Green from our partners over at Creme 2. So we'll listen to Stephen Gentry as he makes his way back home and he is now the new assistant coach for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Don't forget, you can tune in to the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at SCARGO. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show with your Gonzaga story that I can read on Fridays, or if you have any questions or ideas that you have for me to talk about over the summer, feel free to do so. The email is lockedonzags@gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here on Wednesday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.